He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Hallelujah. What a tumultuous welcome. But I want you to praise more the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Give him praise. Give him praise. Let everything that It is of his mercies that we are not consumed. And uh, I just want us to share a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time. And to you and unto no man shall the gathering of the people be. Speak to us as from your heart. Anoint these lips of clay by your Holy Spirit. And let the words that I speak be spirit and life unto those that hear it. I come against any opposition to God's word. I pull down every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And I pray that this word will fall on good soil. Thank you for your anointing, your grace, your mercy, and your enabling power, O oh Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. What a joy to be here. The last time I was here was 14 years ago. And I will not stop saying that when I came, I fell sick. And we were supposed to have a program, I think an all night. So Lady Pastor Flavia, Dr. Hans, Pastor Hans and then Reverend Ben. They came and they looked after me very well. They even brought light soup and everything. And when they finished, they said, Mommy, so rest a bit. We'll come for you for the meeting. <laughs> so I always tell them that I don't know whether it was love or it's like, you are feeding me so that you can carry me to the meeting. <laughs> but it was a very wonderful reunion and fellowship. And I thank God for this family and for what he has done. Amen. I want to thank Almighty God for a time like this. And I also want to salute my husband, Bishop Dagwood Mills, for his obedience to God. And I want to salute Apostle Joel because it's not easy 
to find loyal and faithful people, especially after so many years. But God's grace has been with Apostle Joel. And on this side, he has done a good job. And God continues to use him. So I salute him and all the pastors who stand with him in this part of the world. God bless you and remember you. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a wonder the way the church is a genuine family. Sometimes when we say the church is a family, people mean, oh, it means that there's a lot of love. That's true. It means that there's a lot of acceptance. That's true. It means that uh, the presence of God is there. That's true. But it's also a family because it has issues. Every family has issues. So if you have a family and you don't have issues, then I don't know. Because sometimes you call Ghana, you are talking to your sister, you are so upset about some decisions they made. Why are they saying that? And even one of you may get upset and bang the phone. But you still remain family. I always tell people that the church was perfect till you joined. When you joined, all our imperfections came out. But one thing I know is that we may not be a perfect church, but like my husband says, we are one of the very good churches by the grace of God. I have a renowned pastor friend. And every time he sees me, he would say, but what, what's, what, why is Bishop Dad doing this? And I said, I don't understand. He's a big general in Ghana. I said, I don't understand. He said, he's building cathedrals. He's doing crusade. He's doing orphanage. He's doing hospital. He's doing, why? He will make the church members be looking at us that we, you know, what do we do with the offerings? <laughs> so I said, oh, well, why are you saying this? And then the last time I met him, he said, oh, me, I'm a pastor. But if you tell me to choose a pastor in Ghana to give something to that the person would deliver, I'm telling you, Sister Bami, I'll give it to Bishop, not to myself. But in the midst of it all, what I have learned was that, is that Jesus was very perfect and he never committed any sin. But he was charged for treason, blasphemy, murder. It was said that he had a demon and he was killed for his crimes. Crimes against humanity. <laughs> he was killed for that. So it's not always about doing what is right. And it's not always about people believing who you are and what you do. And it's not about that. Because the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that you may have life. And if Satan has the audacity to go and face Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days and tell him all sorts of, how much more you and I, who are just flesh and blood? And why are we surprised when we get persecuted? Because Jesus gave us a promise, which is a prophecy, which we don't hear in the prophetic that they that shall live godly, not ungodly in Christ Jesus, shall suffer persecution. Oftentimes we think it's the opposite, you know, and 
in the few years and times that have passed by, whenever you walk with God, you see another part of him. So another part of God I've seen is that um, when you walk with him, I know that you suffer, but you also suffer for even what is right. And you have a lot of contradictions. You see, Hebrews 12 says, consider him who endured such contradiction. So the contradiction is that you are trying to do your best uh, 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 to be right before God, like the Bible says, and then the opposite is being said, and it's like, they said, release Barabbas, the murderer of the town, release him, the serial killer. Yeah, release him, and rather let this man go in. And you see democracy, the whole nation supported, the votes were against Jesus. And he still went through and hung naked on the cross. So if he paid the price, how much more you? Why are Christians of today surprised and very protective of our reputation, of, of where people, what people think and what? Yeah, the Bible says, commend yourself to each man's conscience. But at a certain point, it's only God who can fight for you. You know, and... You can't also come and stand in public and say, oh, you know, these people who did A, B, C, D, sins, whatever, they've all come to apologize to me. And because when things are done publicly, they are done. But when the apologies come, it's quiet. <laughs> and then God is also looking at your pride and your, it's a test, you know, so. If people don't know, and you feel that it's your duty to tell the whole world how God has vindicated you and how good you are and how somehow that's not how it happened. So you keep your eyes on Jesus and he brings you to that place. So I'm very encouraged to see you here. And I'm encouraged, encouraged that God's work is going on. And I'm encouraged that cathedrals and churches are being dedicated. And I'm encouraged that we can stand as one in the flow prayer meeting. And I'm encouraged that God has released so many laborers. Look at Reverend Ben from Haiti. I mean, what are we looking for? What are we looking for that we should send people to Haiti? Why? What are we looking for? And I always say that even though for me, I'm physically in one place. So people probably think, oh, as mommy, she lives in Ghana and she's in Accra, yes. But when I look at my personal journey, I think I've been on more mission fields than everybody. <laughs> because there's always the changing scenes of life. You see, when I married my husband, the church was now started five people in some corner. And we didn't even know what God would do. Unlike you, that you have how to start a church, church growth, mega church, the Holy Spirit. We didn't have any such thing. We were walking pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. When he stops, we also stop. And we didn't know what he would do. Then after that, we moved to canteen. Then we moved to Kolegona Cathedral. And we really felt that we had a right. This is where God is bringing us. This is our place of rest. 
not knowing that it's a place of persecution. And then the church evolved. It was one church. Now it started to have branches. Then Bishop started to travel outside Ghana and Inga to do branches. So he would go three months Geneva and he would stay with people with different sexual orientations in a hostel and share bathrooms. And what, what was that about? It was about loving God. Just loving God is enough, you know? And then God honors your obedience. And when God honors your obedience, people are angry. Like how God honored Abraham's obedience and Lot did not understand. And he thought that, you know, we are now at par. You see, your headsmen and my headsmen are striving. So when Abraham says, take what you want, Lot, and leave me in peace. Because I was telling my mother, I said that God does not bless things. He blesses people. And therefore, he has blessed me. And it doesn't matter what. I mean, we're talking about some fire. I said they can take anything. But I am blessed. So whatever I touch, God will bless. It's not things. It's people. Amen. So because Abraham was blessed by God, God said, lift up your eyes to the north, including Lot. And then later, Lot gets into trouble. And in Christian love, you have to go and rescue him. And take 314 people out of your household to rescue. You know, what Bishop has been preaching, the burden of love. It's not easy. Love is not easy. But it's the road that the master has earmarked for us. So I'm happy to see that Jesus is alive and well here and everywhere else. Um, some people who left the church now, they are always calling me. I say, Mommy, is there anything I can do for you? Mommy, anything for you? Mommy, today, I'm just ready to be sent by you. You know, somebody came to my office recently, kneeling down. Oh, Mommy, please. And I said, so why did you say all the things you said? That we're antichrist, we don't preach the word. God has left us. And then now you've come quietly. And she said, mommy, do you know something? I said, no, I don't know. She said, do you know I don't remember? I said, hey. So how will you ensure that you don't repeat your mistakes? She said, I'm saying I don't remember to show you that Satan must have taken over. Wow. Mommy, Satan must have taken over because I do not remember. And she said, and I, I brought this envelope to you. And I said, oh, it's not an envelope matter. I mean, this is the first time after your orangulization you've come to see her. Daddy told me you had been to see him. So it's fine, but it's not an envelope. Then she knelt down. Please receive this sacrifice. But meanwhile, when you were going, you said, hey, what is under your prophet? And today as you have come back quietly, you are bringing an envelope. I don't need it. When you are blessed, you are blessed of God. Yeah. Abraham didn't need, need the things that Lord took from him because God is able to restore. But then she said, mommy, if you don't take it, I cannot leave. I cannot leave. So I said, okay, you put it on the table. And uh, yeah. <laughs> And now whenever she's going, she calls me, mommy, I'm going to preach. Oh, mommy, it's just your messages I know. Please pray with me. And I pray with her. I said, it's all the same work. I said, the work is a lot. Oh, everybody should help to do the work. Amen. Amen. I mean, 
certain things, Bishop um, keeps us privileged information. In law, when you say privileged information, it's something you cannot divulge, but he would not like to divulge, you know? And a few days before I came, I got a strange call from people who had taken over a whole branch, desecrated everything, I mean, terrible. But, you know, I told my husband, when I see people, I don't remember their sins. He said, mom, it's a gift. <laughs> it's a gift God has given you so that you won't have bitterness. You, where, I said, when I see them, I've forgotten. So the person said, hello, Mr. Mami. I just feel that was something happened, but I've forgotten the details. It is after you've left. And then maybe later, I'm thinking, hey, but this person, cried. what happens? Uh, hey, she did this. And she did that. And she did that. And, you know, the call was as if nothing had happened. Oh, mommy, I miss you. Mommy, I owe everything to you and Bishop, whether we like it or not. It's like, hey. And also me, my normal, I was flowing and I was happy too. She said, oh, mommy, we miss you. I said, I miss you too. Oh. It was when I hung up, I said, am I normal? Me. But that's what God can do. But it's all in secrets. So when people are doing, you, don't, you can't share with them. You can't because it's in secret. He said, mommy, we're going to come to Ghana, wherever you are. We'll look for you. We'll never forget. He said that I do things. As soon as I take the mic, I say, this is mommy. I'm like, wow, really? And so you people, you like to lead like this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that to say that there are a lot of things also that are behind the scenes that one cannot share. So we should be led by the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that walks in me shall not walk in darkness. But a lot of us walk in darkness because we know a part and we... And we are always looking for things. I don't know. But God is a vindicator. Amen. And so because of that, I'm not afraid. Amen. Amen. I was telling my husband, do you remember when we moved to Kolegono? We were so happy. We thought that that was our end. I mean, we have arrived. Because we didn't have money to get it. So when we finally paid for a dilapidated building by a toilet, for us, God had spoken. Let the church say Amen. amen. And then God had other plans. I said, do you remember? A whole nation, a president, ministers, they came against us. Do you remember? He said, I remember. I said, we were more defenseless than now. These people were more powerful than what we are seeing. So that same God who can fight presidents and ministers that later when they see you, you say, oh, I wasn't part of. You haven't asked them anything, oh. And later, they even become a part of you. And you even invite them to your son's wedding. And they show up. And then as they are driving up to Mampong, they say, is there anything like this in Ghana? We must get our youths to be encouraged by this. I never knew there was anything like this in Ghana. But you have broken our walls and defamed us and done so many things in court. But when God restores, he restores. I mean, I don't know how Potiphar's wife felt when Joseph became president. <laughs> but you see, sometimes God doesn't even vindicate you because it's spread that he's an adulterer. How do you 
how do you um, vindicate yourself in such a situation? Because I'm a lawyer and I know when they take the robe, your fingerprints are everywhere. Let's say, Joseph, if anybody should chase somebody, it will not be your madam, it will be you. How can a madam chase a, a houseboy? No, it should be you. And also she was crying and she showed her husband the coat. Joseph, you are going to jail. You don't know anybody. Nobody stands with you. But Jehovah, the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. So God was with him. And then God brings you out. But he doesn't let it come in the newspaper that, oh, actually, Potiphar's wife has come to confess that you didn't do that. Oh, actually, your name has been cleared. It's not always God deals that way. But he gives you so much glory that your shame doesn't matter. That your glory covers your shame. That's what God can do. So that's just a, a prelude. And uh, I want to encourage you that if you are here, be here. It's not, it's not fairy tale. And I mean, Paul said that you have known my manner, my manner of life. Is it now that a stranger is telling you stories and you believe after all these years? Well, like, like Joseph, sometimes you can't do anything. As God will vindicate. So we leave it in God's hands. Amen. And having said that, my husband said to me, Mommy, it's God's pruning. God knows what he's doing. So sometimes God prunes his church and his people so that he will deal with certain things so that the next phase can come. One of our bishops called me, said, Mommy, do you realize that as soon as daddy announced 190 nations, hell broke loose. I said, really? I hadn't joined the dots. He said, oh, yeah. Because Satan feels it's too much. I, I, people ask me, I not what? <laughs> what? Uh, what else is there to do? But the harvest is plentiful. And when you see people in the Bible school from all these nations, and they give their testimony, then you understand why God sent Reverend Ben to Haiti. Then you understand why God sent people to different places. It's not easy, but it's part of life. When the UN sends you to Sudan, your people rejoice that you have a UN posting. But when church sends you to say, hey, they can do some bad things. Obedience to God is not easy. But my prayer is that each and every one of us will have our own personal revelation of God so that we'll follow on. Amen. I want to salute your pastors here. Reverend Ben is always from here anyway. Reverend Dr. Hans and Lady Pastor Flavia. She was with me in Ghana when she came to tell me that she was coming. Yeah. I think she was even in my ministry. This is what God can do. So I have shares in your church, okay? But God bless you in the whole of North America for the great work you are doing. I will be very brief for those of you who like brevity. <laughs> Finding your place in God. Finding your place in God. Amen.
There are three things we need to find our place in God. When you go to Revelations chapter 12, by the way, Revelations is the last book of the Bible. For those of you who have forgotten, verse 14. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she's nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Amen. The whole story is about the woman who had stars on her head and the serpent said, the dragon said, you're not going to give birth and intimidated her. So she kept running and God brought in different interventions. And in verse 14, God gave to the woman two wings that she might fly into the wilderness, but not just into the wilderness, but into her place. So each of us has a place in God. You are not just somebody walking about, somebody worthless. Some of us, we've grown up hearing that we are not worth anything. Some of us, we thought we were worth something till we got married. And every time there's an altercation or a problem, we are told that we are not worth anything. And we've heard it so much and faith comes by hearing. And we don't also meditate on the word of God. We meditate on the words of men. So we have come to that place where we even sometimes feel worthless or that we are nothing. But the Bible says about this woman that God gave her wings to fly into the wilderness and into her place. So there's a place for each and every one of us in the kingdom of God. There's a place for us to labor. There's a place for us to use whatever giftings God has given us. There's a place for us in him so that we will be hidden in him. So there's a place for everyone in God's kingdom, in God's plan, and in God's house. Amen, somebody. And so it's important that we find that place. And in order to find that place, there are certain things that we must be mindful of. Amen. Now, the Bible says um, it is of grace that by faith are we saved by grace. It is not of our works, lest anybody should boast. So salvation is not based on works. And salvation is not based on your past, your present, or your future. And salvation is not based on what you have done or what you will do, or how good you were in high school, and how moral you were, and how you married as a virgin, all that may be good, but that's not what ends salvation. Salvation is earned just through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So there's, therefore, there's salvation, there's no salvation in heaven, given under heaven amongst men, whereby men can be saved. It all comes just through the finished work of Christ. And it is by grace and it is by faith. So because of that, a lot of us Christians say, oh, yes, but I'm saved. And uh, 
I'm going to heaven and God has redeemed me. Christ has redeemed me from every curse of the law and from all that is true. So salvation is the first place we started. And so when you look at the tabernacle, when God was giving Moses dimensions and directions for the tabernacle, how it should be built and all that, the first place is the lava where there's washing, the washing of the water by the blood. Amen. That was the first place. So you don't come into the temple and advance. There were other places, the shoe bread, the holy of holies, but the first step was through the blood. <laughs> so unless you come through the blood, you cannot be a child of God. Many of us say, oh, we are all children of God. We are not all children of God. We are all the creatures of God. We are all the creation of God, but we are not all children of God. Just about me, why do you say that? Because the Bible says in John 1:12 that as many as believed him and received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. Amen. You don't become something that you are already. Amen. You become after these two steps of believing and receiving. But it has become so trite, so ordinary, that people feel, oh, when there's an altar call, I just come forward, and then I'm born again, and I'm finished with God, and that's the end. But in order to find our place, God does not deal with our sin problem only once. He continues to deal with our sin problem. And that is why every day you came to the temple, you had to go by the washing at the laver. Amen. And it's still very important in these our days. Now, many of us Christians now, because of grace, think that we can live anyhow, do anything, and then we'll be fine. Last Friday, I was at First Love to... To talk to them one night of love or whatever they called it. But in all the deliberations, one of the things I said was that Christians are not conscious of God's word. Because the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. It's like it's not part of the Bible. As Christ loved the church, oh, if she were submissive, I would love it. But that's not what God said. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. But what the point that I was even making was that, you know, First Peter 3 says that dwell with them according to knowledge. As the weaker vessel, given honor as unto the weaker vessel. But in our world, when you see that you're a weaker vessel, we rather kick you, hit you, mistreat you, not honor, but dishonor. But the Bible says, when you recognize that she's a weaker vessel, rather giving honor and being conscious of the fact that you are joint heirs of the grace of God. The grace on the lady is not less than the grace on you. And then God gives a reason. He said to the brothers, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So your financial problems may be because of the way you are treating your wife. I didn't say it. Too. Your health challenges. 
Maybe because your prayers are hindered seriously, but you don't know. And even sometimes you, you even blame your wife. Yes, I have a friend like that. My pastor, pastor said, uh, you are the reason why the church is going down. Really? What did she do? She was attending the church normally. But check your life because your prayers are being hindered because of that. Now it is when a Christian says he's married. It's the same as the world or sometimes the world is even better. The maltreatment, the, 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 why? Why? There's no light. He said, let your light so shine. There's no light. And then even when we are talking, we give testimony about it. My husband said that I shook him for him to say that I'm not those type of submissive people. But what does the word of God say? It says in Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves one to another. Before it comes to 22, wives, submit unto your own husband. And we continue to submit, be subject unto the elders in the church. And another place says, submit yourselves, the younger to the older. But this world now doesn't want any authority figure. And especially the Western world, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me, I can't do what I feel. I have my own choices and I have my own. Well, it's leading us all to disaster. Amen. Amen. So if we're going to find our place in God, the sin problem has to be dealt with. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Amen. That is the first thing we have to work with so that we can move on. Hmm. Matthew chapter 28. Are we here? Yeah. <laughs> Now, we feel that when somebody preaches and the person talks about sin, it's like the preaching was not powerful. No, it's 1128. It's 1128 and 29, the other way. Okay. But what does Jesus say in Matthew 11, verse 28? Come unto me, all ye that labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Nowadays, when you see Christians, as if they don't even have a savior. There's no rest. Christians are agitated even more than unbelievers. They are anxious more than unbelievers. They fret. They are restless. They are always taking sleeping tablets. They, because of the sin problem. And because we never take him at his word. Neither do we even know his promises towards us. But he said, come unto me, all ye that labor, and a heavy lady, you are carrying heavy things. My husband was saying that when you are traveling and you come to check-in, you are compelled to leave your bags at the check-in counter. And they give you a lighter load 
of a boarding pass. And they take your load from you. That is what Jesus does for us. And especially if you are going to Ghana, then you have five suitcases, eight suitcases. And they take all your heavy laden from you. And they give you a boarding pass that walk through security. And that is what Christians don't want. We don't want the exchange. We want to carry the burdens through security. Through, they say it's not allowed. So Jesus is the one asking you, bring these suitcases to me. And in exchange, I will give you a boarding pass. And he says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. But we don't believe it. We feel that his yoke of telling us what to do by, what, by which he even gives us the Holy Spirit. He doesn't even leave you that, go and do this. He knows that we can't. So he's come to live in us so that he can give us power. And still, you want to carry your things. And when he's saying, come unto, my yoke is easy. He's not saying, I don't have a yoke. He says, I have a yoke, but it's easier than the one you are carrying. So, no, 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 serving God is more difficult than the life I lead. It's more difficult than my decisions. It's more difficult than where I end up. It's not true. Your decisions and your choices have led you to where you are. And have led you to have the load you have. And he's telling you, come. But there has to be an exchange. It's not that you've just come to me. No. There's going to be an exchange. And the exchange is that, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. The more you learn of me the lighter your yoke will become. But what are Christians doing? They are learning of gossip. They are learning of Instagram. They are learning of email. They are learning of, but they don't learn of him. They are learning of Facebook. Everybody wants to be liked. The Bible says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. You want to be liked. You want to be followed. You want to be, but the learn of me, we are not doing it. Amen? Amen. And then we wallow in all the sins that we wallow in. And if you are going to work with God, he will not allow you to come with that baggage. He will not allow you to come with that load without he dealing with it. He has to deal with it. Because he says that sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And he talks about the pleasures of sin because sin is nice. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11 said that day, uh, Moses, he forsook the pleasures of sin for a season in the palace of Pharaoh because he saw an invisible city. So I like the Bible. The Bible doesn't lie. It doesn't say, oh, sin is not nice. At all. Sin is nice. Can't you see that all the bad things for our health are very nice because it panders to the flesh. Amen. Amen. But we have to allow God to deal with the sin problem. And we have to be convicted when we go wrong. But now, you see, the Bible talks about a seared conscience. We have sinned and sinned and sinned. And sinned. So now our consciences are dead. Everything, we don't even feel it. You treat somebody anyhow, you don't feel it. You are rude, you talk anyhow. Eh, I was angry, so I spoke. Really? A child of God says Jesus is Lord, not your emotions, not yourself, not your mind, not what your mother said. 
what the Bible says. Amen, somebody. And if you are going to work with God, then it's like you have to be in a fighter jet. My husband says in a fighter jet, when you press eject, you, your chair and everything are lifted and thrown somewhere. That is how your sins should be. Fighter jets. Not that small here, small there, small. No. We need to come to that place of conviction. Amen, somebody. I mean, Paul said in Corinthians that the type of fornication in the Corinthian church, even unbelievers have not reached that level. He said, it is commonly reported that there's fornication, such fornication that is not even mentioned among men. So when Christians fall to another level, and it's like, immorality is nothing. It's almost like using sanitizer. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, everywhere you go. But if we are going to find our place in God, the two cannot coexist. Amen, somebody. Deception. Lies. Hey, the wall is white. You see, it's another color. Sometimes it even makes you, who knows the facts, rather doubt yourself. That, eh, the way the person is arguing. Some years ago, I had a driver. And then I was going to visit my daughter because she had exams. Final year. We were taking a journey from Accra, one city to the other, to Cape Coast, to Wesley Girls. So when I got there, my daughter had asked me, oh, please get me a box of biscuits because we will not be allowed to visit them again. So it's going to be a long haul. So that during exams, we can have, so I bought the box of biscuits. But when I got there, opened the trunk, I said, come for the biscuits. Ah, only half was inside. All the wrappers have been taken off and are in the box. And I'm with only this driver. <laughs> so I said, oh, what happens? Madam, please, I don't know. Hey, only the two of us. <laughs> I thought and thought and I didn't have anybody that I would say the thing had passed through. I mean, I stopped on route, bought it and put it in the car. So, and then I got down to talk to my aunt in Cape Coast. So, and also, when you are, it is so obvious, hey, half with the rappers. So please, it's not me. So such lies. So I started to doubt myself. That, oh, did the woman, did she really give me an open box? And I said, ah, but it was, I mean, a full box. I said, oh, is it the manufacturers? Maybe they put, he denied and denied. I was now going berserk. So I said, okay, it's okay. Years after, he stole some other things. So he came to the office to beg. And I said, you know, this biscuit thing, it has worried me for a long time. And I keep thinking about, oh, madam, I'm sorry, but I ate it. Our ability to lie and to deceive one another is at another level. Our immorality is at another level. And then we can pretend. 
we can swear that never me you are talking about somebody else and i think what is a man's judgment that you are busy trying to please a man the bible says about him that all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do but it's not all sins that are so um how do i say it obvious there are some hidden sins that you don't see and some people they look like they were born holy from the womb and that they cannot uh, do anything wrong. Acts 2022. 20, Acts 2022. 20, hmm. Paul is speaking. He said, Now behold, I go bound in the spirits unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me. Let me skip and I'll get there. It's Acts 20, all right, but it's too long. Uh, I think it gets you to the end, eh? Yes. Acts 2019. Are we there? It's in the same area. 19. What does Paul say? He said, I've been with you in Asia, I've been amongst you in serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Amen. Yeah. Paul says he served the Lord with humility of mind, with tears, and with various trials and temptations. Most of the time, when we are working with God, we don't think that these three things are part of our service. Tears. How? Serving the Lord with tears and temptations and humility of mind. How? But if you've worked with God and you've never cried because of your service to him, then your work with God is in the honeymoon phase. Amen. Because it, 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 it costs, it's painful to work with him. It's painful to serve him. It's painful to say the person did this, but it's okay. It's, you see, it's okay to say it's okay. But that I should now receive you into my house. Hey, I mean, why? Or that I should forget. Some people say, you know, Sister Bami, I, 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 I can forgive, but to forget. But forgetting doesn't mean you forgot that it happened. But that the effect it had on you. When you remember, it's not the same. But I, I even want to dwell on humility of mind. It means that humility begins in the mind. And the mind is a place that nobody can see. Amen. So when you come around, you have some bigness. But it's in your mind. The way you process. The way you think. Why are they asking me to raise my hands? We are in a democracy. Service of God should be voluntary. If I want to lift my hand, I want to lift my hand. It's not a kindergarten.
Hello? Yeah. Are we in kindergarten? We, we were adults before we came here. Look, in the house of God, we all are nothing. Amen. And in Lighthouse, that even becomes a problem. Because so many well-educated people do menial jobs in Lighthouse. So because of that, people take us for granted. Including our church members. And so what? Because the way big people carry themselves is not acceptable in the church. You see, my office, we are in charge of protocol, serving people. And when you are serving people, by all means, water will spill, food will spill. And instinctively, we just wipe it. We just... So I have volunteers coming. And before you come, we have what we call orientation and training. And I tell you, in this office, there is no big person here. In this office, there's no big person here. We are ready to be shouted at when the heat comes. So move, where's the ice cream? Hey, you! But, mm, I was a big woman before I came here. You are so big, you can't even go through the door of the church. But when we are coming to the house of God, or even when we are walking with God, if we want to find our place, it's humility. To serve him, it's humility. Amen. But if you come with... In the mind, who you are and what you are. You say, you know, I'm an attorney. I wasn't trained to be serving jollof rice and chicken. <laughs> oh, really? Somebody said on social media that eh, he's a pastor, but he didn't clear the things in the port because he's not a clearing agent. I'm like, really? Then Bishop Doug is a mason, a carpenter, a plumber. Because by the grace of God, Mampong was not built by an architect. God used him to build it. And you see pictures. He's climbing. He's doing this. So if you say, for the small steel that is going to be given to you free of charge to set up your church, that you are not a claim then what are we? By humility of mind. You see, it's how you think. You may not speak it all. That's why it says that a proud, God looks at the heart. We can't ask you to do anything in the church. You are too big. How can you find your place? Because in the church, the way up is down. It's like if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Not of only the great ones. Of all. Amen. So you must be prepared to even serve people who seem in the world to be of no consequence. They can't do anything for you. They can't give you anything. They, they, they are a burden. They are a burden. But Jesus said, my yoke is easier than your own. Take it. Humility of mind. Pride is also one of the major sins, but it's not sin. You see, when you talk about fornication, it's physical. But pride, nobody will know how. You even have a, a humble look. <laughs> But humility begins in the mind. So my degrees are more than the thermometer. Me, this type of Ghanaian churches, I don't go to the Indonesian church. It's pride of life. It's pride in mind that is leading you. When you are being told something that in marriage counseling, 
They are telling you, oh, do this. Um, they are men with, who lack experience. That's why they are telling me what. Paul didn't even marry. But he wrote First Corinthians 30, love is patient. Like he is the one who said it's better to marry than to bend. He. So it's not like the world that bring your resume and let me see your experience before. It's by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He was taught in the Arabian desert by God himself. Then when he comes and he's telling you something, say, but Paul, does he qualify to even talk to me? He has never married. Humility of mind. Amen. God will ask you to do menial jobs. Jesus' apostles, he said, go. Go to the place where there's dinner and all that. I'm coming there to have the last supper. When you go, tell the man, untie the donkey. And Peter, James, where were the Marys? They can't they go and do the bread things. Our big apostles like us, you are sending us to go and arrange dinner. And then after you feed the 5,000, you call important, eminent men like us to gather crumbs. Even if we're gathering loaves, we'll take it like that. <laughs> but you are calling us to gather crumbs. But it is in the going in and out with him and doing all these things that he now said to Peter, that on this rock, I'll build my church. The big, big manism must leave. The madamism must leave. The pride that I cannot be corrected. I cannot be told anything. You can't advise me. Eh? Even Naaman, as great as he was, a maid could tell him that, Master, I have a solution to your leprosy. There is a man in Israel who can help you, but pride would not have made him listen to a common maid without credentials. But God was using the maid. Humility of mind. Amen. If you want to serve God, it's going to take a lot of humility. Jesus washed the feet of his apostles after they had walked. Should they not rather wash his feet? He put his towel and he was washing them. Peter said, wow, this is too much. It won't happen. And in his sanguine state, he said that then wash my whole body, my head, my, 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 my feet, my everything. We just want to go to church and leave. We don't want to be asked to do anything. But when the world calls you for something, you are there. Because the world will pay you the green buck. So you feel incentivized that, oh, at least... When I do this, I get this. When the kingdom of God, what do I get? Really? A lot of the things God does, you cannot buy with money. Amen. It is not big manism by the grace of God. That has led Bishop Dad to where he is. No. If it were big manism to build Mampong, you are going to bring consultants. How they will charge you? Hmm. You will not be able to recover <laughs> after you pay. Amen. We have water houses as boreholes from the ground. So we don't pay water bills. All our outer lights are solar lights. It wasn't told us by a consultant. It's God's wisdom. But can you humble yourself? And so well, I'll do boreholes. I me, mean, I don't like, I, I drink distilled water, purified water. God cannot get your attention. They say, go and witness to this person. Say, mm, me, these people, they are sort of below me. You don't say it all, but mind, humility is of the mind. 
I pray that we will not miss our place because of the pride. It's too much. It's too much. The Bible says that look at your elders who labor in the Lord for your sake and account them of double honor. You say, eh, are they gods? We are far from God. That's why we are married. Finding your place in God, you have to overcome the sin problem. Amen. John chapter 21, verse 18. Humility is what will help you to find your place in God. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou guidest thyself and walkest with that thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall get thee and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. Amen. <laughs> the Bible is saying that in your work with God, it is when you are a child and immature, that's when you go where you want. When thou was young, thou gathers thyself and walkest with that thou wouldest, whatever you like, you did. But when you will be old, when you walk with God for some time, you will stretch forth your hands and another shall get thee. That is where we have a problem. I also hear from God. I also want to know what God, yes, you should know. But God will always use men. Amen. Sometimes I don't understand him. Saul is walking on the road to Damascus. You want to save him. You've come to talk a lot. Saul, why are you uh, persecuting me? Why this is it? If you have anything to tell him, finish the sentence. But you stop and you say, go to a man called Ananias. He's living on the street called Street. He will tell you what to do. Why? Why? Why do I need a man to tell me what to do? You appear to Cornelius as an angel. Instead of telling me, Cornelius, okay, now you are going to receive the Holy Ghost. Do this and say, send for a man called Peter in a town called Joppa. And when he comes, he will tell you what to do. And even Peter is not even a willing vessel. <laughs> he struggles with ministering to Gentiles. And he doesn't want anything to do with that. So the Holy Ghost has to go ahead and convince him that, Peter, I'm giving you a vision. Go to the Gentiles. They are sent by me. Then Peter, the Bible says, three days journey. All that this angel came to say, couldn't he have said, minister to Cornelius himself? But God will always use men, whether you like it or not. That is his plan. And that is his choice. Amen, somebody. Yeah. And when we are too proud to receive that, we have problems. You see, Abraham was in his house. Sarah had told him, sent Ishmael away. And Abraham wouldn't do it. And Sarah was fighting with him. I believe that Sarah decided that, you know, I'll just leave it to God. I'll pray about it because I cannot uh, convince the person. Then God comes and says, Abraham, listen to Sarah, your wife. Why didn't he say, Abraham, listen to me? Send hey guys, because he said that listen to Sarah. It's another human being that he's referring to. God 
has decided not to make human beings redundant, but to use them. But Paul said, the people in Acts 17, the people in Berea, they were more noble than the people in Thessalonica. In that when Paul preached, they received it with willingness of mind, your attitude in receiving. And then they searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. So God will use a man and he expects you and I to search the scriptures to see if the things are so. Amen, somebody. The last two things that will bring us into our place in God are gifts and sacrifices. Hmm. Hebrews chapter five, verse one. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Amen. Every high priest they are taken from among men. They are not taken from among angels. No matter if you are a high priest, you are taken from among men. And the church must accept that God uses human vessels. Amen? Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. Pastors are ordained for you and I. Amen? Men of God, women of God, they are ordained for us. But God, why did he do that? He is wiser than you. The Bible says that the foolishness of God, even your wisdom doesn't reach. Amen. For men in things pertaining to God. When I read, I said, ah, what if it pertains to you? Why don't you use angels and whatever? But you, you take the people from among men. For men. But in things pertaining to God. Why? That he may offer gifts and sacrifices. A priest offers gifts and sacrifices. Each child of God is a holy priesthood. For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's own people. Amen? Amen. So you can't say, oh, Lady Reverend, this one, I'm not a priest. He said, all of us are priests. And we are to give gifts and sacrifices. So the second thing to find our place is sacrifice. Beloved, I wish the gospel would be something else. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Because yourself would always like to lead you. And you always have to be pressing the button. Access denied. Access denied. Access denied to self. Look, Jesus rebuked Peter. You, you, you savor the things of men and not things of God. Get thee behind me and all. But when he got to the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it be possible. I thought you were rebuking Peter for suggesting that you shouldn't die. But when you got to the garden, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Because at a point, your humanness will show up. He said, nevertheless, not my will. This is how I feel. This is what I feel like doing. Nevertheless, not my will. If I tell you that it doesn't occur to me ever to resign, I'll be telling you lies. When something happens, I say, oh, I've, I've resigned. I mean, why? Oh, no. Why? What, what am I looking for in life? Oh, no, no. And I think, well, even if I resign, 
by God's grace, I'll still be married to my husband. So, but just that, now don't call me for this, don't call me for that. I mean, I've imagined it before. So I'm going to write to these people that, now I'm a lay pastor. And I do things for them, they don't see every day. This, look, I'm not a lay pastor. Then I'll be imagining, so what will I do? I say, oh, I'll give up my office, but then it's not a problem. They can have it. And then what else? I said, okay, I'll do my work towards God. At least I'll nurture God's people and all that. But is that my place? Is that my place? Is that where God has put me? Am I not the one who said I heard him? Am I not the one who said I was answering to his call? Am I not the one who said I had a desire to serve him? And it's a desire, not a mark for God to use you. So why is it that when there's turbulence, I'm now thinking, then even in my prayer, I'll be telling God, it's not about you, it's the people. As for you, God, you are holy. I love you to bits by the people. Oh, they are so difficult. And with all that has happened, honestly, it occurs to me and I say, if it were not God, I mean, do I have to be here? I look, I say, my friends who are lawyers, we are still on the same page on the WhatsApp group. We go to things, but I don't see their names in this. They've done this. They've stolen this. And they are very well off. So why? Should I come and do this? So that, but humility of mine. And sacrifice of what is dear to you. A sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it costs you. I met a very rich man recently. And I said to him, sir. I hear you have lands around the orphanage. You need to give some to God so that the orphanage can expand. Say, hey, madam, expand for what? I said, we now have a school. We just started and the children are 53. So now I have construction on my hands. So if you give me even just two plots, I can expand like this. <laughs> the man was quiet and he just smiled. A very big man. I didn't know him then. Then he said, oh, madam. This is why you are not liked. I didn't understand. What are you saying? He said, you see, when you get up hospital, when you get up orphanage, when you get up schools, this is why people don't like you. I said, oh, somebody I don't know. I said, oh, but say, I'm asking you for like, yes, but I'm pointing out to you that because of these things that you do, people don't like you. People are very envious of you. I was stunned and I was just looking at him. He said, so madam, it's not now I'm coming to add my two plots to give you more problems, okay? <laughs> I intend to go back to him. But it was a sobering time for me. And I said to him that, you know, if it were not Matthew 25, I wouldn't do this work. And he's not a believer, it's not Matthew 25. I said, yes, Jesus said, I was a stranger and he took me in. I was sick and you came. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry. I said, this is what guides us. Not looking for a name because it's very hard work. <laughs> and I have a, a relative. She's always telling me, hmm, the most ungrateful people are orphans. <laughs> so I hope you are not thinking that they are coming to be grateful to us. No. It's a God thing. It's a hard thing. Let me do whatever God has asked me to do and leave the rest. Because sometimes I don't have fish. I don't have this. Then we have to ask people, can you, 
You know, because we started to write, oh, we don't want food. We want building materials. Then we started to get food, uh, building materials and we saw that we were hungry. Hey. So we changed it that, please, both are good. Amen. But if you look at it and say, no, why should you? Why should you worry? Since you came to life, how much uh, me time do you have that you are now going to do this, this, this? Why? Well, what is the problem? But God has sent you. And you must sacrifice your time. You must sacrifice your reputation. Because Jesus made himself of no reputation. So to find our place, sacrifice cannot be taken out. That is why every day in the temple, there was a daily sacrifice, not only for sins, but they brought sheep and things as something they were also giving. Amen. Sometimes if people knew how much pastors give to the work of God, they wouldn't talk. I mean, the Kodesh, after they are doing fundraising, it's pastors. Lay pastors full time who come for it to every time they are the main and the frontliners. And then when you finish, he's even a lay pastor, and you think that his car you have shares in it. But if you look at all these, look, there are more peaceful jobs, but he has called you to sacrifice sacrifice your comfort, sacrifice your reputation, sacrifice even. Being told you are bad when you are not bad. Being told you are wrong when you are not wrong. A lot of us, we fail with offense. When offense comes, we can't. We say, you've hurt me, and you are telling me that I'm unforgiving. I'm out of the door. But I can promise you that you will keep changing churches. Because there's no perfect place. But every high priest is to offer gifts and sacrifices. Let me ask you, in your church, what do you sacrifice? Yes, offering is sacrifice. But it's not the same as giving your life or giving yourself. Giving your life does not always mean full-time ministry. But you've given your life that, Lord, whatever you want, I'm going to do it. When you look at other religions, they don't care. They are degrees. They They are able to blow themselves up. In the hope that 70 virgins are waiting for them. And you, there's no sacrifice. Look, when you are in pain, it takes sacrifice to still serve him limping, to still serve him heartbroken, to still serve him crying, like Paul said, in tears, in temptations. People think you are walking all right, but you are crippled. Your legs have been weeded. Sometimes you are even tossing and turning in your house and you wonder that. I mean, why? And then Satan will also let you compare to other people. Say, look at this person. Look at the person's peaceful life. Why? What are we looking for in this life? Amen. I said deception. You see, many years ago, I thought that I was sacrificing. When my husband has to come to New York to start the church, Three months, young wife with very young children. But I don't know. My mind didn't go there. 
Maybe it wasn't very developed. <laughs> I didn't know I had a problem. To me, it was just God's work. We, we should do it. Do you understand? And during that time, thieves came to my house. I had an accident. So many things, including the Geneva church. He would go start himself before he would bring us. So he would go door to door, preaching, witnessing, winning souls. That's how he would start. So you look at all that. I'd rather have given my husband on the offering plate to go and start these churches. Then I'd rather thieves are attacking me. Uh, 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 things are happening to my house, my children. At a point, a house help came with all sorts of talismans. And I just felt in my spirit, this person came yesterday, but I don't feel a flow. So I called him. I said, you have to leave. Why should I leave? I said, okay, let me look at your bag. You are leaving. When I looked, hey, talismans, things tied up. What have I done? Eh? I've rather given my husband to go. And then look at what I'm encountering. But everybody will have their own sacrifice that they want to make. And they have to make. It's not just I put my husband on the offering and then my life will not be touched and it will be normal. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Sometimes when it comes to church, people put on another cap altogether. Say, they go on, they don't come. But when you are married to a pilot, you don't have a problem. You are married to a sailor, he goes for six months. We never hear it in the church. But you are married to a pastor, Satan will tell you it's not normal. Something is wrong. It's true. But no power is released without sacrifice. Amen. And God has been telling me that, that no power is released. You see, at a point, <laughs> I've come to a place where it doesn't matter whether you see me as good, bad, evil, thief. It doesn't really matter. Because the real judge is God. And it's fine. But it's a sacrifice. To still continue on that road is a sacrifice. And God will reward you for it. But for you to have a place in him, you have to give up something. You can't bring your everything, not give up anything. Tithe is a problem for you. It's like blood transfusion. But we learn to tithe as teenagers. So it doesn't belong to us. It's not for us. Do you understand? And sometimes you can't say even the amount of tithe you pay or the offerings you give or you, you can't even say it. Because it's not for public consumption. But God knows. God knows. You cannot preach about tithe and then you, you don't tithe. And you feel, oh, nobody knows and I'm deceiving the people. Really? Tithe is one of the basest sacrifices we make. After that, your own life. You cannot serve God without giving anything. You have to give up your old habits. You have to give up the things you love. Young girls are my weakness. I don't know if you were born. Young girls are my weakness. It's a song. Amen. You will have to give up something. Sometimes even your sleep, you can't. Your sleep, you can't. Your little comfort, you watch Nigerian movies. Uh, just to come for rehearsal is a problem. But to find your place in God, every high priest, that he may offer, not God offering him, he may offer gifts and sacrifices 
unto God. Now, when you sacrifice, you also must come to a place, that last place, is to give gifts. <laughs> Amen? And the greatest gift you can give is your life. The Bible says, He that spared not his son, but gave him up for a ransom, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has set the example. He gave a very powerful gift. And what you give becomes the gift. So, in order to become a gift, you must give yourself as a gift. Amen? That's what the Bible says in Romans 12, that um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead one. That's why fasting can be difficult. Your body, a living, when you bring it to the altar, no, the body wants to run. Every time you bring it, you are struggling with it. What did Paul say? He said that the things that I don't want to do, I do. Romans 7. But the things that I want to do, that's not what I'm doing. And he said that my body is like a balloon. As soon as I relax more, it comes on top of the water. Amen? He said, I give my body blows. I give my body, I, I, I discipline my body. I keep my body under. First Corinthians 9.27, I believe. Lest after preaching Christ, not during or after, I, Paul the apostle, I can become a castaway. So the most dangerous part in your life is after you've preached Christ. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. That is when you can become a castaway. But that's when you feel, oh, I'm above reproach. You know, the way I preach, the way I minister, the way I'm above. No, but Paul said, after preaching Christ, lest I may become a castaway. So even our bodies, that's basic. Bring your body to the altar. When the body says, I want to go here, say no. I want to watch pornography, you say no. It will all cost you. But that is a cost. The cost is a cost to find your place in God. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Gifts are not works of righteousness. They are given. You know a gift, they just give it to you. So God gives you a gift. Everybody has a gift in the body of Christ. And when you receive the gift, then you yourself also become a gift. Amen? Unless we learn to give valuable things to God, we won't get valuable things from him. What you build with, the material you build with, determines the quality of your house. Amen? So to find your place in God, if you want to, it's in a large house, there are many vessels. What type of vessel do you want to be? Then it's the type of materials you're going to buy, to bring, as a gift. So the materials you bring, he uses as a gift for you. And then he makes you a gift unto men. Amen. So you are supposed to progress into a gift. After you have received his many giftings, you yourself become a gift. And you also give a gift. That's why Abraham said, God said, you are blessed to be a blessing. Some people say, I'm so blessed. Now I don't need anything. You don't need anything. So many people need other things. So you are blessed so that you can become a blessing. So to find our place in God, 
we must give him valuable gifts so that he can make us valuable gifts. And as we become valuable gifts, we will also be used to be given as gifts to the body of Christ. Am I making sense? It's not easy to find your place in God. Amen? And the things that obstruct us are sin, deception, lies. You can't walk with God and have all these things together like uh, Jacob. You can't. When you do that, you will suffer some sinners so you don't understand. Only you, you are going to marry. They gave you the wrong bride. <laughs> Who has said that before? <laughs> Only you. You had somebody you loved. Your father-in-law agreed. Now the wedding day, he swerved you. Because you yourself, you are a swindler. So after you marry this, the night, you find out, oh, this is not the wife I bargained for. Then you have to work seven more years to get Rachel. Then you are working under Laban. By your own testimony, 10 times, he keeps changing your salary. He says, oh, I'll pay you this. Then the next month is decreasing. Then the next month is So Jacob said to Laban, these times I've worked with you, 10 times you have changed my wages. I don't know what I am. It's all swindling. But before he can cross the river and get to the place that God has for him, he has to wrestle with the angel. Because Jacob means supplanter. Jacob means deceiver. But God changed his name. He said, from today, you have become a prince. You have fought with God. You have wrestled with God and man. And you have prevailed. But there will be a wrestling. There will be a wrestling so that your name as Jacob deceiver can be changed. Before you find your place in God. All the time he was working with Laban, going, come, he has not found his place. It's a walk. It's not something overnight. Amen, somebody. And the humility of mind. The sin of pride. Pride. We can't tell you to do anything. If we say, sweep the church, you say, I'm an engineer. I'm not a janitor. But in the house of God, you are a janitor and it's even a blessing. Amen, somebody. And then to find your place also, you need to come to a place of sacrifice. It's not a popular topic, but that's the reality. You sacrifice something. You see, people think when you sit in church that your life is perfect. Your life is rosy. You don't have any challenges. You look so together. But there's nobody like that. There's nobody like that. The father, the person doesn't cry for you to see. Doesn't mean the person doesn't cry. I saw it say, the fact that I'm carrying it well doesn't mean it's not heavy. Amen. And then the place of gifts. Unless you give him something valuable, he cannot make you something valuable. The materials you give are what he uses to build. And then when he builds, he makes you a gift. That's when the Bible says he gave gifts unto men, some apostles, some pastors, some prophets, some teachers. He is the one who made them gifts. And it wasn't by a swipe. It is by walking with God that you become a gift. And it's the materials you give him that he uses to build. 
so that you can in turn be a gift to others. I pray that as this woman was given eagle wings to fly into a place, her place, there's a possessive pronoun there, her place. So God has a place for each and every one of us. And I pray that the world will not blind you. The pursuit for other things will not blind you. You know, people ask, Daddy, Bishop, what is the secret of your success? When he says quiet time, it's, oh, we know quiet time, but something a bit more powerful. And then he says, Matthew 6, 33. They say, what is that? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added. People don't believe it, but it is true. You see, when I heard, because I don't read much, I don't read much of social media, but when I heard all the things being said and somebody came to, and I said to the person that, what people don't know is that this man called Bishop Dag is not a self-made man. He's made by God. I say, you can never be in the ministry. You come and you say, okay, I now want to preach in the Olympic stadium in Korea. And then it just happens. No, it's not like that. Oh, I want to be invited to Malaysia. And then you just go to Malaysia. You walk among the churches and then they'll invite. It's not like that. Oh, I want to preach in the Philippines. It's not like that. I want to preach in Chennai. It's not like that. Every time he has said, when we arrived in Malaysia, he asked the pastor, please, where do you know me from? He said, oh, the Lord impressed on me that I should invite you. We don't know you for anyway. He said, I saw you in Korea and, I, and the Lord, and then the pastor said, nobody has ever asked me such a question. Now, why did I invite you? <laughs> and in the end, God gives you a father in that person. Amen. Going to Yongicho. It's also, you can get up, you can buy your ticket, you can, but you will not become a board member because not by connections. And it's something God just does. A few days ago, I came to talk to my husband and he said, shh. I said, why? So, eh, eh, PWF meeting, Pentecostal World Fellowship. So I craned my neck to look, Zoom. I saw, I knew the people, but because of pandemic, I forgot. So when I was, I said, hey, Oh, some powerful, powerful men. All oh, these people from all over the globe. How did you get there from an unknown place? When you say Ghana, they say, what, well, Guyana? You know? It is God who gives you a place. It is not yourself. So when you are jealous and you want to be the man and you are fighting him and you are, he is not self-made. The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience Inherit the promises. So if you like what you see, follow by faith and patience. Not being in a hurry. Faith and patience. That's why we study Abraham. That's why we study Job. That's why we study Isaac. That's why we study Moses. 40 years in the wilderness. You are going to use me. You, you send me 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Who goes to the wilderness for 40 years without experience and then comes back to save God's people? But that's God. So I pray that you will not miss your place in the Lord, but that you will find it. And I pray for grace for you 
to stay on track, kept by the power of God. The Bible says we are kept by his power and God will keep us and bring us into our place. Stand to your feet. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I want you to talk to God. Tell him to help you find your place in him. Tell him that of all the things it takes, overcoming sin, all the different types of sin, the humility we need. Tell him the Lord, I need to find my place in you. And all these things can come as difficulties and hindrances. But today, I bring my heavy burdens and I take your yoke. I take the things that you love and concern you, I take them. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. Help me, please. I have made the choice to listen for your voice. Wherever you may lead, I will go. Shepherd of my soul again. Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Just talk to God of all that you have heard. Whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you, I just came to tell you the heart of God. If you will embrace it, God will give you your place in Him. You are here this afternoon. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I don't seem to have a place even in salvation. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I've been living life on my own terms. I've been playing games with God. But this afternoon, I want to start afresh. I want a new beginning. I want to be sure where I'll spend eternity. Lady Reverend, pray for me. If you're like that, yeah, just lift up your hands wherever you are standing. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. Only those who want to give their life to Christ. Lift your hands high above your shoulder. And if you've lifted your hand, do one more thing. Give me the pleasure, the privilege of leading you to the master. Come forward. If you lifted your hand, forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. And take that step. Take that step. Jesus is reaching out to you. Lady Reverend, pray for me. This is not the time for pride. It's humility of mind. Come, come to Jesus. Should I face a mighty 
Father, I pray for your church. I use your church in North Carolina and all affiliated churches as a point of contact. I pray that you will remember your people and I pray that you will bring them into their place in you. Lord, your word says that when the woman found her place, she was nourished by you. I pray that your children will find their place in you so that they will be nourished by you. Lord, I pray for a cleansing. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our pleasures, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the things that take our hearts away from you. Let there be a cleansing of the blood of the liver where we come in into the temple and into your presence. Father, your word says you are at work in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I pray for your churches in North America. Your word says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Build your church, O oh God. Make your church strong, O oh God. Remember your people. Remember your pastors. Remember your shepherds. Remember the sheep. Remember the flock. Fight for them on every side, Lord. And cause them to be fruitful and to come into a good place. There's nobody you have used that you have not blessed. You used the boat of Peter and you led him to a great catch. Bless your people. Let them experience untold blessings in their lives. And Father, remember them on every side. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.